Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the Chatter and the Chatter Podcast on FM 98.3 KCRD. Colleen, it's you and me. We scared everybody off, I think. I know. I don't know where Mark went, but maybe he's, yeah, running in fear. Last time I saw him, he was running down, physically running down JFK, trying to catch the Finsel corn truck. (laughs) And he was gaining on that. Well, that's worth running for. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name, in the name of, of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So quick, before you start, little trivia question. Yeah. Since we just prayed the Memorare, who wrote the Memorare? I'm going with a big dog. Uh, <laughs> Can I win on that one? St. Bernard. That was funny. Saint I had Bernard. to step away from the microphone to verify St. Bernard on August date? 20th. He's coming up here. Um I love him. He had such great devotion to Our Lady, and he wrote the Memorare. And what do you know local about the title or the name St. Bernard? Well, there was a uh, uh, Mount St. Bernard here down on the corner at uh, Cheney and Asbury, as I recall. Cheney and Asbury. Wasn't, wasn't Mount St. Bernard where Fountain Park is? Um, that was a religious place, but I don't know if it was Mount St. Bernard. I thought Mount... Um, Mount St. Bernard was out in Key West, like where, um, you know, that tele- the cross is. I thought yeah. it was kind of on that land somewhere, but, but maybe they moved it. I don't know. Well, there used to be a statue of it here. You went past Aquinas uh, Communications, Aquinas <laughs> Institute. Yes, on, which is now Emmaus. Uh, on on uh, the north side of Asbury, and then at the intersection, I thought that was Mount St. Bernard Seminary. Now, I remember that being a Dominican mother house, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll have to pull the books off. I've got some of the history of Dubuque stuff going on there. We will. We'll pull it out and look. But um, what a great saint. So did he do more because the he, he penned, he crafted the, the Memorare, but the prayer to St. Joseph is remarkably like the prayer to St. Mary, the Memorare, did he, is he responsible for that, or did someone plagiarize that? We will have to find out, because um, I don't know. All I just know about the Memorare that he wrote. But, you know, there's an awesome book, and I can't think of the title right now, but it's about his family, because I think he was one of maybe six or seven kids, um, almost all boys, one girl, and I think every boy in that family followed him into oh the... Into the monastery, and then including his father. Mm-hmm. I think it's called something like the family that overtook Christ, or something like that. I'll find, find out. that out. It was a fascinating. It was one of these books where every chapter is about one of the other kids in the family, and um, none of them were religious minded, except Bernard, and uh, and then how they all kind of had their conversion experience, and they all ended up entering the monastery based on. Bernard's zeal for the Lord, and I think when Bernard entered, I like he came with like twenty guys from the town. Hey, let's yeah. go. We're going. Yeah, so he was really able to set people's hearts on. Speaking fire. of guys, families heading to the uh, to the uh, monastery to the seminary, the Barter boys 
Ardell and James mm-hmm. here. So I just we need to keep uh, well both of them, but in particular Ardell. I hear he has pneumonia oh, and he's no. recovering. Uh, I get that we're recording Monday the eighth. This will air the weekend before the assumption here. And Monsignor Jim Miller said that he, the way I understood it, was he was getting better. But uh, pneumonia in the summertime is not a good thing. It's It's not not a good thing thing. anytime. And when you're older, it's really not a good thing. Yeah. So we will. I'll add him to my prayer list. So thanks for letting us know. And they had, what, 11 or 13 children? I don't really know anything about that family. Are they Dubuquers? No, they're... um, they're Czechs, aren't they? Barda isn't that Czechoslovakian? They're out, they're down the road a piece, aren't they? From Cedar Rapids in I that don't know. area, I think. He's told me, and forgive me, Father, I I was paying attention. <laughs> so much other stuff has crowded your brain, though, and it's just pushed it narrow out. space. It's a narrow space. Let's say that. <laughs> we need to thank all of the voices on the consecration, Colleen. Yes, we do. And. I think you were an instigator, but we'll blame Brad Markham, but I think you were stirring the pot on getting this going here only days before it was going to start, and we had uh, we had a dozen voices getting it here, and I, I think we uh, squeaked it out. I think we did. It was so nice to have a variety of voices, and I think it was Brad's idea to do this consecration. And I was kind of, you know, wondering, you know, about recording all the prayers and airing it, but... I have to say, I've had quite a few people tell me they like listening and following along. Well, the as feedback opposed to has been incredible, and and by virtue of the fact, for the request of those beautiful blue books. Now we're nearly out, Colleen, of the first shipment. The upstairs from the studio here, we've got a handful of these left, but another supply. Because are you ready to let the virgin out of the <laughs> bottle here? Are you talking about because the, we're going to do it again? Well, we have to, don't we? We absolutely have Because we to. have so many people that are saying, the consecration, how did I, how do I miss it? Can you just go through a recap of that it is 33 days and what sure. the purpose, when it begins, when it ends, and why, and all sure, of that? Sure, sure. So it's kind of funny because you start with an end date first before you start at the beginning. First in intention is last in execution. Is that a phrase I should know? You should know that. First in intention is last in execution. Okay. So what you said. So the first thing you do is you pick a Marian feast day. And for this consecration that we are just finishing, we chose the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary on August 15th. Which which in the airing of this is going to be day after tomorrow, tomorrow, because it's going to be airing this weekend. Yes, Monday, August 15th. The Feast of Her Assumption. So you pick, I mean, there's multiple Marian feast days throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Um, I always in the past have done it on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is kind of hard because it moves around. It moves around. Is that the June one? It's based on Easter. It's based on Pentecost, which is based on Easter. but, But you can pick any Marian feast day, and then you count backward 33 days, and that's when you start. And the first 12 days of the consecration, you are shaking off the spirit of the world. So you are renouncing the spirit of the world. And there's certain prayers and readings that happen for those 12 days. Then the next week, you work on knowledge of self. Um, because we really need to know ourselves to know what our um, most common greatest sins are and how we work on uprooting those. So we really need to work on knowing ourself uh, so that we can get rid of those vices. 
And then the week after that is we focus on learning more about Our Lady. And then the week after that is we focus on learning more about Jesus Christ. So that's how it goes. 12 days of renouncing the world, then a week of understanding yourself, a week of understanding Our Lady, and a week of understanding Jesus Christ. And then it comes to the day of consecration, and you make your consecration. Um, and it's typical, or I should say expected, to offer Our Lady a little gift, depending upon your means, of course. It might just be a rose on an altar. Um, it might be an extra rosary. It might be a donation of alms to a certain place. But um, you just give her a little gift on that day. So because it's such a powerful uh, prayer and consecration, and like you say in the ads for it, it really, we're giving her all, we're giving her our life, our goods, everything um, to protect them and keep them and use them as she will. And in these days and times, boy, we, uh, we want to give everything to her. Can you talk about the wisdom or the theology of that? I've had some comments from people that say, what, what's the sense of giving everything to Mary for her to give to Jesus here? What, what, especially in the context of demonic oppression, attacks from what's going on, what, what's your sense of that? I got some ideas. But. You know, the, the way I like to see it is, I'm sure, we can all go directly to Jesus Christ, without a doubt. We can all go directly to God the Father, the Holy Spirit, without a doubt. But I'm a sinful person as well, and so I need a mediator with the mediator. Breaking news. <laughs> That's enough out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to give everything to Mary, and then she takes it, and she kind of cleans it up, um, and she intensifies what, what, what it. What is the the sim- symbolism or the the tangible uh, benefit of how does John the Baptist say I must decrease you must increase of 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 emptying oneself mm-hmm. of of the claim on temporal goods mm-hmm. I mean we're talking everything from our homes our cars our retirement our dog our everything what what what, what is the and it's more than symbolism but it I think- is symbolic it is symbolic, but I think it's also that detachment from things. Okay, it's there you go. submission to God's will. I'm giving her everything. She can decide to use it uh, for God's greatest glory. Because if it's up to me to decide how to use it, I don't know what's going to be what's going to give God the greatest glory. So, in my mind, I'm bouncing this off of you. Okay. If you're a religious or you're a diocesan, you talk about uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience here. Uh, if if you're in a religious order, the poverty is is the the relinquishing all claims to to ownership. If if you're a family, you can't give away your home. I mean, you still have to live. You still have to transport. But it's the what is it? What what am I trying to say here? Where you're giving away claim on that? If you're the head of the household, if you're Whatever it is, you're you're trying to give away the ownership, the world, the flesh, and the devil to Mary. Mm-hmm. The, the custody thereof that she takes over custody mm-hmm. of that, and in, in our uh, it's yeah. help me out there. It's kind of like relinquishing control. Okay. You know, God knows that we need to house our families and feed them. He knows all of that. Um, but when we relinquish control and ownership of it, 
we don't know what the Blessed Mother might have us do with it. Um, maybe she's going to ask us to take in a sick family member. Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, if this is what you wish, then that's what we'll do. Maybe they just want us to put the um, epiphany blessing on top of the threshold. Well, then we do. So in, by way of, of giving away control to the Virgin, who in turn presents them to her son Christ, we're no longer able to be manipulated by saying, you know, we're focused on the ownership of these kinds of assets. Right. Manipulated by that as well as our selfishness um, and our own will um, is weakened then because it's whatever she wants. We practice renouncing it. Whatever you want to do with it, Mary, fine with me. So, and, and it's, I think, really hard. Well, let's say there's a fire. Mm-hmm. Well, then people say, well, how is that God's will that my house burns down? But you never know how God might use that to put you in a different house and you end up in a better situation. So you entrust everything to Mary so that she can then give it to Jesus. It's beautiful um, theology. And I think maybe women especially um, can identify with that because we are uh, more relational um, maybe than than guys are. So I for sure want to give everything to Mary and whatever she wants to do with it, fine with me. So you're not focused on that temporal goods aspect not of our focused lives. on it nope trying to trying to detach although with knitting it's totally different knitting is totally something that you should all have yourself and not give any of that to mary <laughs> right are or- we going back into knitting season here now the weather's starting to cool we off are here. but but anyway so it's a beautiful it's a beautiful way of giving them everything and you know that goes against our nature and so that's why we need to redo our consecration so every time we redo it we relinquish, relinquish a little more control. And I think I interrupted you in what, the second phase? Uh, is there a third and fourth phase to the concept? Did you get through those? I did. You did. All right. Were you paying attention? Mostly. <laughs> anyway, so we are going to do the consecration again. We're going to do it more than once a year because every time we go through it, we relinquish a little bit more. We detach a little bit more. We entrust everything to Our Lady a little bit more. So the And next we really sprung this first one on the listeners. We didn't give much of a... There wasn't in the uh, newsletter. We, we were behind the curve here. Yeah, so. yeah. It was one of those inspirational, let's just do it. A lot of people got it. into it in... Second phase, week three, mm-hmm. week four here. Mm-hmm. So what's the next one? So the next one we're going to do is uh, we're going to end on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is December 8th. Um, so if you count backwards, that means we will start the consecration again on November 5th. Uh, so that gives people a couple months uh, to think about it, get the book, uh, get their family and friends. You know, they we're going to run the same podcast um, because we've already recorded all the prayers, right? So Mm -hmm. people can listen. I think we recorded all of them. We did. We're running an audit. (laughs) Did we miss a page? (laughs) I hope we didn't miss a page, but we'll... And not only do we need to thank the voices, Mm -hmm. but the engineers and the producers. Oh, my goodness. Who we gave, what, a two-minute warning to? They're the best. They're just the best. 
and they made it all nice and listenable, if that's a word. One of the things I was kind of surprised at myself is I'm more of a visual person. So when it comes to this consecration, I like to read the prayers and looking at the words kind of helps me focus. But I was surprised there were quite a few days that I listened and I was surprised how good that was. Yeah. Following along with your heart. Um, and then I talked to someone and she was sick during it. She's like, I don't even know where my book is. And so she was just going to listen. We're getting a lot, so of, a lot of people saying they were reading and listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's Correcting my English. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be in the next newsletter, right? We are uh, the next newsletter, which, by the way, we'll talk more about here, but we're going to the Ember Quarters, which means we're uh, September, October, November, and the beginning, what's the beginning date, did you tell me, November what? 5th. November November 5th. 5th. We're going to catch that here. So the Bellowing Ox will have a new format and a bigger explanation. By then, by September, we are promised from the publisher, Tan Books, a new supply uh, of additional books here. So if you haven't gotten one yet, I know they were going quickly out of the power of prayer, out of uh, several of the parishes and the pews there. So mm-hmm. um, The other thing that I want to mention is, um, I just forgot. Darn it. You can't do that. Darn it. Only one of us can be can absent-minded. I, oh, I hold darn. that. Um, it was something. I'll think of it later. Well, we're at the Dang end it. of the break, so you can uh, take this commercial opportunity to uh, refresh your memory here. Colleen Paznak and uh, Tom Oglesby on episode 54. Don't go away. We're going to talk about the first Friday talk series up in Platteville, what the Lambeth Conference is up to, our big October 19th event at the Grand River Center with Father William Casey. And I might do a rant before this is all said and done. You're listening to the chatter on the KCRD podcast and mobile app. And we'll be right back after these announcements. We're back. We're in the studios of KCRD, FM 98.3 KCRD in Dubuque, and uh, this is The Chatter. And you can hear us on, um, is it Saturday at 1 and uh, Sundays at 6? These are p.m. times, and then an uh, encore presentation the following Friday at uh, 1 o'clock, and then it lives forever as a podcast, which brings me to the mobile app. We've been teasing people about the mobile app here, and we're... Uh, we're getting ever so close, and as we get bids, we're finding we need money. If anyone would uh, like to donate to the KCRD mobile app 2.0, uh, we are in need of uh, building this out. We're, we've got a lot of people. Most people listen to the radio within the terrestrial signal in the car. They want to take it with them to home, to bed. A lot of people drive out of the signal and they listen to the mobile app by connecting to the Bluetooth in their car. And uh, we need to keep pace with the Android and the Apple technology requirements. And uh, it's not as inexpensive as one might think. So yeah, and uh, I know I like to listen to the um, podcast to the app because 
our radio in our house um, just doesn't pick up the signal very well, so I prefer just to turn the app on and listen through my phone. Everybody's going mobile, and that means the phones, and that's a mobile app. So if you can help mm-hmm. us out, go to kcrd-fm.org, go to donate or contribute or gift or whatever. Our P.O. box is 3306, and yes, uh, help us out uh, there. That would be a a big help for us here. So before you get into your lineup there that you've got, I did remember what I wanted to say at the end of the last segment. And I wanted to say, if any of our listeners have stories of things that happened during the consecration, we would love to hear them. Maybe they were praying during the consecration for a loved one to come back from the church or for a physical healing. But if anyone has any stories of um, divine intervention that happened during your consecration 33 days, um, please send them to the radio station. We'd love to hear them. You had a couple for the newsletter. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you remember what you submitted to the newsletter here that are going in? You had a couple of testimonials. Um, You sent them to me by email. Should have Darn warned it. you and prepped you. Anybody know any memory-enhancing vitamins that we can take? Hmm. Black label, blue label. <laughs> <laughs> All anyway, right. you've got a stack there. Well, let's see. Um, we did St. Bernard. We did the newsletter here. Uh, this is going to take me into a rant. I was going to go here the other day, but... Um, First Friday talk series up at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. We had Jeff Kassman, C-A-S-S-M-A-N. He's from Catholic Men of America. He spoke uh, last Friday, August 5th, up there. Speaking of of, uh, St. Augustine, Father John Del Priori has, um, I won't uh, reveal his his illness, but he's had some illness here, and uh, he tells me he's getting better every day but he needs some prayers. Father mm-hmm. John Del Priori, keep him up there. Anyway, Casman was here on August uh, 5th. Get a load of this. On Friday, this is Labor Day weekend, Friday, September 2nd, Michael Matt from The Remnant Newspaper is coming to Platteville. Thursday, October 6th, Robert Gill is coming in. Our old friend Luke Spihar is coming in for a concert uh, November 4th. I think I think these are all Fridays. I guess the, if I look at the calendar, I can tell that. And then December 2nd, a gentleman named John Salza. And uh, we're working out understanding what his presentation is going to be. Um, back to Friday, August 5th, Jeff Casman Kass, uh, came in and we had a chance to spend some time with him uh, while he and his son David were in town for uh, 36 or 48 hours. A gentleman to be sure, his group is called Catholic Men of uh, America, and you can see him on the web under just that, catholicmenofamerica.org. He spoke on several items. It's been captured on YouTube. It's on the um, Pioneer Catholic YouTube web channel. But he started speaking uh, about some items here. And when you talk about the intervention of the Holy Spirit with the the consecration, Colleen, Mm -hmm. did you ever notice when you're praying on something how you can get little, uh, people call them God winks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where... You don't see a burning bush like what uh, Moses did, but things just keep falling into it. 
Anyway, Kassman begins talking about what Adam did. Not Adam and Eve, but what Adam did in the, in the, uh, in the garden. And that has been something that I was contemplating in, in daily prayer, and I especially like to do it in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament over at the, at the chapels, each of the chapels. You know, I, I'm, I'm wimpy there. I, I, uh, oh, I like the power of prayer better, you know, and then, then I go over to East Dubuque to, and the beautiful architecture and the quiet and, and anyway, so my two favorite chapels. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Casman begins talking about effeminacy effeminacy now when you apply the term effeminate especially to a man you often i think people confuse this with feminacy mm-hmm. with with authentic feminacy but he did an excellent job at least in my mind of drawing a line between masculinity and feminine, being feminine, feminacy, mm-hmm. and effeminate, effeminacy. Okay, so go on. How did he define it and describe so, it? So it took him a while because it was clear in his mind, but not so much in my mind. But he, he described it uh, succinctly, I think, in this way, when he says that effeminacy can affect not only males, but also females. And he described it as taking the easy way out, being comfortable, wanting to, to go on that. And he, he drew it into the garden in Genesis chapter 1 with Adam. That Adam, his sin was not the sin of effeminacy, but could be characterized as taking the easy way out. He did not do in the garden what he was supposed to do. And what was he supposed to do? Take care of Eve, protect... Well, first, the, the, uh, till the garden, that language is the same language used in Leviticus to, to tend the garden. The garden's a temple. Adam's the high priest. He was supposed to guard the temple. As you go in further here, one of the things that came up in my contemplation was, did Adam know the serpent was already in the garden? Hmm, That's a good question. The question goes further, did God know the serpent was already in the temple? Well, the answer to that has to be, well, of course he did. He's He's God. God. Here's a question. Did God send the serpent into the garden? Well, in, in uh, Revelation and, and in the scriptures, we understand that a third of the angels were swept from the sky and they were thrown down to earth, not into hell. True. And the garden is here on earth, so when they were swept from the celestial heights... Mm-hmm. They, of course, were in here. So the answer has to be, God knew the serpent was in the, in the uh, mm-hmm. garden. Adam knew the serpent was in the garden. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Eve knew, not sure that's relevant, but Adam had, 
had the deal. He was asleep at the switch. He was acting effeminately by one not rooting out and protecting his wife, Eve, from from the serpent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've heard that he was right there. Even though the conversation is between Eve and the serpent, I've heard, um, I don't know if it was Scott Hahn or who it was, but they said Adam was right there because she took the apple, took a bite, and handed it to him. So right. he was right there when it right. was all happening. Right. Now, I think Casman might have had a different uh, explanation of that Friday night. I need to go back and listen to it. But it's interesting, maybe not not necessarily important, but that was his his baseline premise was that was an effeminate response. True masculinity, he was talking about John Wayne, the cowboys or whatever, you know, that that we're almost thinking of of uh, the knights of the round table, you know, where there were chivalry and and uh, chastity and and uh, honesty and integrity and truth, all of the virtues that made the knights, the cowboys, the, in, in some romantic novels or whatever here, that there was an absence of that in, in, uh, in the garden on Adam's part. True masculinity has these, these attributes. And he further went on to say that true femininity has these, these attributes. And he began talking about some of the great heroic women come to mind. St. Joan of Arc, mm-hmm. Catherine of Siena. We could go down, down the list of, mm-hmm. of the women who didn't take the easy way out, the mm-hmm. comfortable way out, the, mm-hmm. the earthly uh, comforts going out here. Mm-hmm. So where does that come back? You wanted to... No, I was just going to say one of the things that occurs to me as you're talking is, you know, men... Men are supposed to provide and protect. Correct. That's the man, the man's role. And to provide and protect um, doesn't always look like chivalry and King Arthur and the knights around the round mm-hmm. table, right? But what it should look like is giving of self, not taking the easy way. Um, providing and protecting for men m- should mean all right, I'm going to do this job even if it means I have to get up early, even if it means I have to labor hard because that's how I'm going to provide and protect my family. Yeah. So I think we can still see men um, doing what they're supposed to do, provide and protect, in a selfless uh, way that's not effeminate, but it's not John Wayne. So now let's come out of the garden with Adam okay. and overlay that here in twenty. 20- first century mm-hmm. uh, America. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many guys and women, but a lot of guys going, when is the Lord going to come down here? Look at the evil everywhere we look. We've got this. We've got politicians. We've got rogue bishops. We, and we're going to talk about some of these guys, but, we're gonna, but they're talking about this. And how long is God going to let us protect that? Here's the parallel. God knows Satan is afoot in Dubuque, in Iowa, America, and the world in 21st century. He's God. Just like he knew Satan was afoot back then. 
we are on the verge, the precipice of the same sin of effeminacy that Adam committed by throwing up our hands, woe is me. Here's the point, guys. And I'm talking to the guys mostly here. You can talk to the women. Stop it. Stop it right now. Get your big cowboy boots on and start going out here. You're not alone. The Lord knows what's going on. He's got this, and he doesn't need a bunch of men acting like a bunch of effeminate sissies saying, what's God doing here? Jesus is asleep in my boat. He's not asleep. He's got this. Get the big boy cowboy boots on. Amen. Are you with me? I'm with you. And I Same two for the women. Yeah. Yeah. The authentic femininity and authentic masculinity is doing what is required when it's required. Mm-hmm. Not sitting around here saying, and I've heard so many people say, when are the bishops going to do something? When are the priests going to do something? When are the politicians going to do something? When is God going to do something? Mm-hmm. The real question is, find yourself a mirror mm-hmm. and see what you look like with a cowboy hat on. Mm-hmm. Good point. When are we going to do something? Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Pick up one of these leather-bound consecration books. That starts first. We can do nothing without prayer. But God has gets this. He knows what's going on. He knows Satan is is one of the recent mystics. Have you heard? I'm poor at at quoting him. But he quoted uh, one of the exorcists who... uh, had a demon that point blank said there are no demons left in hell. They're all prowling the earth, and if you could see them, they'd block out the sun. Well, all you got to do is read the uh, New York Times or the 11 o'clock news, and you're mm-hmm. going to find out what's going mm-hmm. on here. Yeah, but you make a good point. And uh, one of the things, too, that I would like to add is maybe God sent or at least allowed the serpent in the garden just like he allows the evil that we're seeing today as a test for us. What are you going to do? Are you going to man up? Are you going to woman up? Are you going to fight for his church? Or are you just going to passively say, someone else fix this problem? Well, this is church militant, and it comprised of men and women, authentic femininity and authentic masculinity. And I don't think there's any question at all. It is God's permissive will that things are going here, and he's looking for some people to stand up. Mm-hmm. Agree. Because we got enough effeminate soy boys running around the, the block here. Agree. And uh, instead of saying, when are the bishops going to do something, how about when am I going to do something? When am I going to do the consecration to Jesus through Mary? When am I going to say the rosary every day? When am I going to get my whole family to church on Sunday, even if it might be hard and there might be crying? When am I going to start doing that? I keep reading the uh, obituaries, and I see these guys. He was a Cub fan. Mm-hmm. He was a Hawkeye fan. Mm-hmm. He loved fishing. Mm-hmm. Don't put that on my obituary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree. Agree. So I think right now, anyone who's listening to us should think about what they can do in their circle. Right? What can they do to turn this tide? You got that right, and as we're closing out segment two of this 54th 
episode, Colleen, I'm going to leave you with this thought. The Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary is an offensive weapon. It is not a defensive weapon. So men, when you're picking up the rosary and it feels uncomfortable because you ain't never done it ever, it's the biggest AR-15 you've ever wanted to see. It's got a 50-round clip, and it is an offensive weapon. It's not hunkering down with your head between your knees. Right? It's not a sissy prayer or a prayer for just grandmas. My mama's got steel-toed boots. We'll be right back after these messages on the channel. We're back. We're on the chatter. Colleen Pasnick, Tom Oglesby for episode uh, 54. We're recording on Monday, the 8th of August in the year 2022 of our Lord here. You had the best line of uh, the deal after we were recording here. The, the Lord's grading us here. He's grading us. This is a test. This is a test. And it's not on a curve. It's a pass-fail. Pass-fail. He's mm. looking down. Who's going to pass? We got some local things going on, Colleen. The biggest thing here, uh, people have been waiting. We've we've uh, haven't said a lot about it because we're working out some things. But it's it's Wednesday, October nineteenth at the Grand River Center. It's the autumn fundraiser for Aquinas Communications, and we're bringing in. Wait for it, Father William Casey of the Fathers of Mercy, over in Kentucky. I love this title here. It's, it's scriptural. He told me, this is published by EWTN, and he was getting some mm-hmm. pushback from the publishers down there. Mm-hmm. The title of it is, You Shall Stand Firm, subtitle, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy. And he said, I was getting some uh, pushback on the title, Tom. I said, what'd you do? He said, I told him it was scriptural, and we just went with it. So, You Shall Stand Firm, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy. We bought a handful of books and they're disappearing out of the studio here, allegedly for good reasons. But uh, people are are doing some research, and Father Casey plans to uh, bring a bunch. That's good, because I don't know a topic that has touched more families than the topic of apostasy. And uh, I don't know a single family who has not lost a loved one uh, to a different religion or to no religion. So tickets are going to go on sale here soon at kcrd-fm.org. We're working out some details. The day is going to go like this. It's Wednesday. I anticipate that we're going, we, we may be able to have Father Casey say a Mass Ooh. at the Grand River Center. So we think that might be 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. And then I just, you, I don't think I told you about this, maybe. Um, Keith Nestor from the Rosary Crew over in Cedar Rapids and nationwide. Keith Nestor is the gentleman you hear pray the rosary at 11 o'clock Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Monday through Friday on KCRD. That's Keith Nestor. He's out of Cedar Rapids. Every day at 5 o'clock, no matter where he is, including Saturday and Sunday, he prays live on YouTube nationwide, worldwide. I did not know that. Five o'clock. He's going to pray the rosary at five o'clock live from Dubuque at the Grand River Center. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Then we've got a meal coming up about 6 o'clock. We're trying to uh, get the Miller girls to sing during dinner. However, Love has thrown a wrench into this. Did Uh you know that Samantha is getting married? No, I did not. Early in October, the first Friday, I think, in in October, Friday, uh, Samantha and... Why do I... Is she the oldest? She is. And the ringleader. The engagement ringleader. Yeah, indeed here. So as uh, Papa Miller said, I don't know if the rest of the ladies will sing without her. So we don't know what her honeymoon is here. So we don't know. So uh, anyway, by the way, we're going to get them on uh, another... Well, we vacationed a couple of weeks ago. We ran the uh, 35th episode with the Millers. Such beautiful voices. Tremendous feedback mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. We need to do that again so you They're, and your bride can take another vacation yeah, in the Airstream. Yeah, we're going to do that. So anyway, it'll be a great night, Wednesday the uh, 19th of October here. We're still working out some details. Tickets will go on sale soon. So look forward to uh, to that. And uh, i got to get through the rest of this book here. It's very good. I do too. It looks good according to the... Content, table you content. shall stand firm. That's great. You did. Did you read the contents the other day? I I did, or I started to, or some of them on the air. The Red Dragon. Nothing is impossible with God. Spiritual battle. We just talked about that. The devil, the father of lies, and a murderer from the beginning. What did you mean by that, Father? The priest is a marked man. Scandals in the church. Chur- <laughs> Scandals in the Church and the Ruin of Souls. This one's going to cause some stirring here. What do you know about marriage? Folks, you're going to need to bring some friends down here. Um, Have you noticed the last several years? By the way, we shut down not during the um, shutdown the last couple years. We were blessed by the Virgin uh, and the grace of her son to be able to hold these events, and we had a lot of people for their first time coming to an Aquinas event. If you know someone who hasn't been here, bring them along here. Mm-hmm. Or if you know someone that has a beloved family member that's left the faith, tell them you need to come with me and hear this speaker. There you go. That's a good we point. All know, we all know people like that. That's nearly epidemic. It is. Great apostasy. All right, what do you got? So I've got, uh, I thought it was a little bit of good news locally here. Uh, if anybody follows Father Bob Gross on his YouTube channel, he announced just a day or two ago that it's been on his heart for like 10 years to mm. have um, a spiritual direction institute, training institute locally in the archdiocese because spiritual direction is becoming more and more popular and the few spiritual directors that are around just can't take any more people. So it's been on his heart uh, for 10 years to start an institute. And um, he pulled the trigger. Really? So he's working with Matt Selby and a couple others. But they've um, instituted a, 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 a school called the Institute of the Transfiguration. And it's a two-year program to learn how to be a spiritual director. Wow. And uh, he was saying on his YouTube channel that he thought they might get, I don't know, 10 or 12 people to apply. Because it is a two-year program. But they had 39 applicants, hmm. priests, deacons, lay people. Uh, so they were kind of surprised at the number. And so they had a limited to 25. And they start this fall. 
and um, local teachers, from what I understand, monthly meetings, monthly um, schooling. Um, but anyway, so hopefully we'll be getting some good spiritual directors locally, uh, priests, deacons, and lay people. So for people that are unfamiliar with the concept, what is a spiritual director? Sure. A spiritual director is someone that walks with you on your spiritual journey. Um, they're, uh, sometimes they're also your confessor, if you have a regular confessor, because in the confessional, as you keep bringing up the same sins over and over, uh, the priest might give you advice, and that can be like spiritual direction. But oftentimes, we don't even know our own weaknesses. Um, I remember why one spiritual director told me, you're reading too many books. You've got five books going at a time. That's not good. So they can often kind of point things out that you're not seeing. So you got rid of Betty Crocker? (laughs) 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 If only Betty Crocker were one of them. Um, So sometimes, you know, we like doing certain things and and maybe we need to be a little more um, well-rounded in our spiritual development. And a spiritual director can point that out. Um, so that's what they're for. It's, it's not a counselor, um, and it doesn't have to be a confessor. My very first spiritual director was a laywoman. So they walk with you in your journey. They help you root out your vices. They help you grow in virtue. There's some accountability there. Um, it's nice to have a priest because then he can be your confessor, but it's also nice if you're a lay person, a married woman to have a married woman as your spiritual director, because you can identify more with problems and issues and things that come up. Um, typically spiritual directors do not charge money typically. Um, although it's always nice to give them a little gift of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, once or twice a year, but you, you know, to entrust your soul to someone else is in, for me, it was a little terrifying. Um, because what if I get a spiritual director that says, you don't have to pray the rosary, you know, you don't have to go to daily mass. It's kind of a little terrifying. You want to be sure that the person that you are choosing as your spiritual director is someone well-grounded in the Catholic faith, well-grounded in the very long, rich tradition of spiritual direction in the church, um, and can help you walk that straight and narrow path uh, that leads to eternal life. That might fall into the category of bad spiritual director here. It would, someone that said that. That's why you have to be very careful on who you ask. I know there are spiritual directors in town here, uh, should say in the area, and they might suggest that you practice Reiki. Or oh, stop it. I know. you got to be so careful. Wow. So it looks like they're vetting people uh, before they even come in the program. They want to make sure that anyone who is looking to do this spiritual direction program called the Institute of the Transfiguration has their own personal daily prayer life, at least 20 to 30 minutes a be, day. It would be interesting to see the syllabus or the course titles. It would, wouldn't it? Now, I do have to say I was a little sad that when Father Bob said all this, it's all kind of over and done with. I mean, they've picked the 25 for the Well, you caught year. me off guard at the top and said, Tom, have you heard of this? And we haven't. So it's been opened. It's been closed. Right. Good news is they've got 25. The good news is they've got 25. So applications were due May 1st, and I heard about it like August 5th. So that was a little unfortunate. So it's a two-year course. Does it run for two years, and then they solicit candidates again, or are they going to solicit in this time next year and have a couple concurrent? Yeah, you know, I have a feeling, since this is the first one, that they're going to see how it goes. They're, they're figuring it out. Yeah. 
But it is nice to see that they want people who regularly not only go to mass, but confession. So, you know, the, yeah. their requirements are are good and promising. So I'm hoping that they... Give some background on Father Gross. I don't know if everybody knows him. So Father Bob Gross, good guy. He's from Racine, Wisconsin, but he went to school at Loris, and that's where he found his vocation. So he stayed and became a priest for the Archdiocese of Dubuque. I believe he was ordained 15 years ago. Um, and he's been around at a couple local parishes. He most recently, now July, has been moved to Bellevue. So he is local um, if you're in Dubuque. Um, but he's a, he's a good guy with a great love for the Lord. And he himself attended Creighton University's spiritual direction program. So he's had a heart for spiritual direction for a while. Um, but he's a, he's a good guy. Sounds like the Holy the Spirit's uh, moving in him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so so that was curious because I just saw that. And then when I got in here tonight to do the show, you handed me a flyer for the St. Joseph the Worker Chaplaincy, Changing Your Life in a Life-Changing Way out of Madison. Well, there's a couple of guys, Joel Bergeson, son of uh, the famous Flying Bergesons here in town, and Len Hornig up in uh, Madison are working on this. And... Um, they're having success. I think part of it, Colleen, is is uh, taking Christ into the uh, workplace to help uh, employers with and help employees because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time. I think of that. If you spend eight hours at work, that's a third of your life. Mm-hmm. You're, you've got relationships. You've got conflicts. You've got uh, mm-hmm. all sorts of people coming out here. And uh, Well, and I think employers are, are realizing more and more that their employees have a life outside of work. And if you have a loved one who maybe takes his own life, that's going to affect you. Right. Or if you're going through a divorce, that's going to affect you. And so this St. Joseph the Worker uh, chaplaincy is um, a way to assist employers and employees with the spiritual and emotional issues that are affecting their lives. I was looking. Did you see some phone numbers on there? Yeah. So if you're interested in the St. Joseph the Worker chaplaincy, you can um, call this number. It's Madison. It's the Madison Diocese. The number is 608-618-618. Zero six nine eight, um, and it's Saint Joseph the Worker Chaplaincy. So these two things kind of coming at the same time are kind of highlighting that there is um, a thirst uh, among lay people for some help. Goes back their... to my rant that says we're not standing around with our hair on fire, right. saying what do we do? Why isn't God doing something? He is doing mm-hmm. things here, and it's a nice concrete way to live out your faith, and especially those who've. Um, been in their own faith walk for years. So we got about four minutes left, and we should recognize a pillar of the community here, a family a pillar of the community, Colleen. The Wallerts have been how many generations? My goodness. I think Bob's great uncle was the one that started it. Harry, Bob. Mm, Harry was um, Bob's dad. I uh, know Bob is the son of Robert, and Robert was his nephew of Harry, yeah. I believe. So three or four generations. Three or anyway. four generations, yeah. But um, Bob passed away on the Feast of the Transfiguration. Oh, my. August 6th. Speaking of transfiguration, that's, mm-hmm. that's maybe a good day to go. Yeah. you got to go. That's a pretty good day. You got that. 83 years old. He passed away peacefully at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, and his whole family was with him. But uh, great loss for the community. A great mm-hmm. loss for the community. Uh, the Wallert family has certainly done a lot 
for the city of Dubuque. Um, not only, you know, financially providing for uh, Catholic high school, which yeah. um, at, in its, you know, in the heyday of Catholic education was the largest Catholic high school in the state. Yeah. So they're, um, they put their money where their mouth is and they provided uh, Catholic school for many, many, many people in Dubuque. And don't forget one of the great city parks in town, Flora Park, is a Flora, uh, Park. Flora Wallard. Mm-hmm. And also Bunker Hill. Oh, I didn't know also that. Also belonged to the Wallard family. They donated that land um, so that there could be a community golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've just been and very quietly behind the scenes. They have done a lot for a lot of people. Not to mention the tens of thousands of families that were uh, employed over four gen- three or four or five generations out here. Yeah, and that was hard work. If you worked Ooh, at the pack, yeah. that was hard work. But uh, but the, uh, maybe people don't know, but Bob was a daily mass goer. Mm-hmm. So he did have a strong faith, um, and he was a lector, and he he even was an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. So our prayers are with the Wallard family. By the time this airs, um, his funeral will just be ending because of the wake is Friday. The funeral is Saturday at ten thirty at St. Columkill. Um, so everyone, keep the. Wallert family in your prayers um, and the repose of Bob's soul. Well, and as we close, so many people have been touched by uh, death, uh, a number of families with sudden and unexpected deaths. There's still some sickness going on, uh, some of it acute, more of it chronic, and um, we should remember all of those uh, people here that uh, prayer is the most powerful medicine here. And uh, sometimes our prayers are answered temporally, and they they are healed now, and sometimes they are answered eternally, and That's they right. are healed in eternity. And I think the Catholic teaching on suffering is just beautiful. Um, so I know a lot of people listening to us have been taught that when they are suffering, whether it's illness, mental illness, they can offer that suffering, unite it with the suffering that Jesus uh, endured on the cross and offer it for salvation of souls and reparation for sins. But we don't want to let a single ounce of suffering go by without applying it for someone's salvation. Um, And so if you've never heard that before, I would suggest that you Uh, look into the Catholic uh, theology of suffering and do not let your suffering go to waste. On the other side of the eternity, when we cross the veil ourselves, we will see just how many souls have been impacted by suffering that we gave to Mary and Jesus and said, use this for whoever needs it. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes. (laughs) What movie was that? I don't remember. (laughs) Speaking of praying for all of our uh, friends, relatives, employees, employers, pray for our enemies, huh? That's what the Lord says. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the the Son, Son. and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD and the KCRD mobile app, episode 54 on August 8th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Listen again next week. We love you.